And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to Fastened Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby, and in the studio with me, my co-host, Molly Mayo. Hello, thank you. Hey, Molly. So we're looking at Proverbs chapter 1 today. Oh, and our engineer today is Rainy Gleisch. Rainy Gleisch. Okay, Rainy, thanks for being there today. Shout out to Rainy. And we've had quite a week here. Um, Yes. Boy, Mike Card was here. What a wonderful time we had with Mike. And, that was amazing. And today we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to go back there. Back in time. Yeah, and uh, we're going to look at um, what allows God's Word to be poured out into our lives and His Spirit to really be powerfully personal mm. um, in our lives so that we know that God is in us. In fact, um, in Corinthians, Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Mm. Um Test yourself to see whether or not Jesus really lives in you. And you know what the, um, the, the, the answer to the question is? He says, do you, do you know? Mm-hmm. You know, it says, mm-hmm. it says examine yourself, test yourself. And, and, you know, we got a lot of young people coming through here at the college and through the guild, um, tours and so forth. And a lot of times we just assume that people know Jesus as their Savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when did you sure. come to know the Lord, Molly? Um, when I was about 10 or 11. Yeah. Okay, I was 22. Mm-hmm. Um, tell tell me what? How did you? What happened? How did you really know that you came to know Christ as yours? Not like putting putting you on the spot. Right? <laughs> no, it's funny because that's like not a short story <laughs> for anyone, but um, kind of the short version of it. I was struggling a lot with doubt because I grew up in a Christian home, and so I was surrounded with people who were like, "Yeah, I know Jesus. I walk with him, and I'm a Christian." And so, like, it would have been taboo to say, like, I'm, I don't think I'm saved. So inwardly as a kid, you know, you're wrestling with, oh, am I really saved? Is this real? And I kept thinking to myself, like, how could I have been born in the one right religion in the world? I was like, that confused mm, me so much. I was like, there's probably Buddhists think that their way is the way. Probably, like, agnostics, like all these people, they probably think, you know, they're Krishna, born into it. Yeah. yeah. So then— Hinduism. Um, I mean, you name it. Yeah, exactly. And so Islam. it just seemed a little, I was struggling with the convenience of it. Like, oh, yeah, so I just happened to be born in the right one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, God really wouldn't let me go for like about a month. I struggled with this question. He kept bringing people in my life to um, convict me and kind of push me to him. So as I'm wrestling with all of this, I remember we were doing the flag salutes for vacation, not vacation Bible school, but this Sunday evening thing that we mm-hmm. were doing. And right in the middle, it was just like God grabbed a hold of my heart. It was like now or never. And I suddenly had this moment where I was like, you know what? There are all of these religions out there. How could it, like, someone had to be born in the right religion. And Mm -hmm. who am I to say? That's not me. Mm -hmm. And I'm tired of doubting. I'm tired. Like, I knew God was real, but I hadn't really, like, owned it. So I was like, you know what, God? I don't want to doubt anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to wrestle with this. I I believe in you, and I I'm scared to death of going to hell. <laughs> it was like the biggest Aww. scary thing. So I was like, I know I'm a sinner. I know I mess up, and I know like I've struggled with this, and I should have been saved when I was like six, like everyone else. And um, I just totally came clean, and I I gave my heart away to him. Hmm. And That's after beautiful. that moment, um, wait, wait, time out. You gave your heart away. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, it's like. I, I don't know. I just kind of like fell in love with God for the first time. Oh. And it wasn't just like I knew about God. I knew, oh, God, I had my God story. It was like, God, I'm actually going to walk with you. And that wasn't something that I had really owned before. And I was like, no more doubting. Like, you want to know me, and I want to know you now. And Molly, that's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I was reading it this morning. She uh, she 
didn't doubt that mm-hmm. he could heal her. She, so here she is, mm-hmm. an issue of blood for 12 years, which means that she's unclean for 12 years. Mm-hmm. She's not allowed to go into synagogues. She's not allowed to be in public market unless she's certain, you know, at least six feet away mm-hmm. from people. And she would have been actually labeled as unclean because the doctors, everyone in that culture would have known her. And so when she came out publicly, mm-hmm. you know, in, 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 the, in this mob, you know, J- remember Jairus is coming. He wants mm-hmm. his daughter to be healed. Mm-hmm. And she's coming. And she says to herself, it's interesting, as Matthew records this, Matthew gives us something that could only be from God because he says she was thinking within herself. Mm-hmm. How does he know what she was thinking? <laughs> I don't even know. Right? Mm-hmm. And so God tells Matthew, this is what this woman's thinking, you know, or this woman told Matthew. She's thinking within herself that if she comes to Jesus and can just touch the hem of his garment, she will be made whole. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then Jesus says to her, after, after she touches him in the midst of all of this, she takes the risk mm-hmm. of being found out. As soon as she touches him, Jesus turns, it says, he turns toward her. Can you picture this moment? She touches him. Mm. She's like, she's made whole instantly, and she knows something happened. And then Jesus, one of the Gospels, it says, virtue went out of him, or power went out of him. So he could feel it too. crazy thought. Yeah. And so here's the two of them. Jesus turns mm-hmm. the disciples. There's a mob around them. In the them. middle of like the most inconvenient moment ever, though, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> Jairus is like, my daughter is dying. And she's, she just... I don't know. The timing was incredible. Yeah. My daughter's dying. And then Jesus turns uh-huh. to her in this throng of people. Mm-hmm. And the disciples are looking like, and Jesus says, who touched me? Mm-hmm. He asked the question. He kn- Jesus knew who touched her. Mm-hmm. But he asked the question, who touched me? Now she's got to be able to, does she want to just take the healing and leave? Mm-hmm. No one knows, right? Mm-hmm. She could take the healing and be gone and know, she could slip through the crowd. No one's going to know it. Mm-hmm. But Jesus wants her to publicly identify with him. Mm. Who touched me? And she's got to come clean. I did. Mm. And then you know what he says to her? Mm. Your faith has made you whole. It was her faith. Beautiful. Same thing that happened with you. Mm-hmm. You you took this amazing, you, you didn't know, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. real. And now you take the step of faith and you want to seal the deal, right? Mm-hmm. You want to make, t- so keep going. This reminded me of this woman, what you just shared. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just kind of the beginning of the journey. Um, I remember after that moment, um, I just, I didn't struggle with doubting ever again. And I haven't to this day where, like, it was something that was huge for me. But then as soon as I had that moment, I just, like, it's been a faith journey. And, yeah, I've, like, struggled with, like, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Mm -hmm. God, like, I don't like this. I don't want to follow you. You know, those sorts of struggles. But I never was, like... I've never doubted my faith or that it's real because I know what it was like before. Hmm. And I don't know. He just. What was it like before? It was just, I don't know. There was a lot of fear. <laughs> um, like I said, I doubted. And I, hmm. you know, you you don't, you feel kind of a little bit like a hypocrite because you look around and you see all these perfect people and they all seem to hmm. have their life together. And um, <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, I was saved when I was five. My mom sat me down and they had these stories. And you were just like, oh, and I remember testimony time would come and I just feel so guilty. I'm like, OK, what story am I going to make up today? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was sat down and my mom came over. Like, I don't know. It was just. I just, I knew it wasn't real. Everyone, like, there are people you meet and you, when you know it's real. And you look at them and you're like, whoa, you know, what am I doing wrong, kind of? So what gives you the greatest assurance today that it's real? Um, I don't know. It's, it's like instinctive. It's like just the, there's a lot of joy, a lot of peace, I think. 
um, I don't know, it's just like you feel close to God most of the time. And then... You read his word? Yeah. How come? Because yeah. <laughs> I want to, you know. I think that was the biggest thing, the desire. It, like, kind of awakened the desire in my heart to not just, like, read my Bible because I had to do it for school or because that's what my church asked. But, like, there were a lot of things that you do because you have to, to, like, survive. <laughs> Are you drawn but, to more, I mean, worldly things, like spending time with unsafe people, and, <laughs> you know, rock music, going um, to concerts? Are you drawn to that? Does that attract you at all? Paul actually talks about this. Yeah. <laughs> so the so there's there's still this in nature, obviously. You know. But you, does that attract you at all, though? Those things. Um, you know, when I'm walking with God, no, because you can see the the filth, but and the emptiness. I think that's the hugest thing that it looks so good, but you know, it's just going to be temporary satisfaction. But I mean, everyone struggles with like wanting to feel good or to to pursue something at some point. But, I mean, you follow that, and it's pretty self-destructive. You know pretty quick that, oh, mm. whoa, I'm messing up again. Mm. So, yeah, I mean— So the, Holy Spirit puts you in check and keeps you yeah, I on think the straight and narrow. The, this, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I think, is a, a mm. really huge part of it. That mm. Actually, that like you ask if you know you're saved, like, I know when I'm doing something that's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. So— yeah, I remember like one of the scariest things is just like getting to a point where you know you know you ignore the Holy Spirit and then you can get to a point where it's mm-hmm. almost Stop seared like a seared conscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's scary to me. Okay, so that leads us to Proverbs chapter one twenty three. Yeah. Okay, so you just explained through your personal testimony what's going on here in Proverbs. In Proverbs one twenty, it says wisdom cries outside. Mm-hmm. Um, she utters her voice in the streets. So God is always trying to get our attention. He, he will get our attention because he loves us so much. So whether you're saved or unsaved, doesn't matter. Wisdom is always crying outside. You know, she's, she's, mm. she, her voice can be heard if we will listen. It's like early in the morning you can hear the birds, you can hear the water, you can mm. hear the leaves rustling. But then as, as you know, the sun rises and probably within an hour after the sun rises, all of a sudden the, the loud trucks on the expressway <laughs> miles away, you know, all of a sudden it says drown out the sounds of creation, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what happens in, in, in life. You know, mm-hmm. when God is speaking to us, the world kind of drowns his voice out a little bit, but he's always speaking to us if we're willing to listen and we're searching, seeking first the kingdom mm-hmm. of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to us. And so wisdom says this in verse 21. Wisdom cries in the chief places of the concourse, in the openings of the gates. You know, where the, where, where the most important parts are in the city, God is always reaching out to us. She utters her words. So God's word is going forth in some way. So someone might turn a radio station on, and there might be a Christian radio station where the word of God is being taught. Or mm. you might run into someone like me, or you might listen to a lamplighter theater drama on the radios in 34 countries Mm -hmm. to a million listeners. Somewhere God is speaking in the world Mm -hmm. through some voice, you know? And and then he says, or she says, wisdom, verse 22, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity, and scorners will you delight in your scorning, and fools will you hate knowledge? That's the major roadblock. Mm -hmm. All of us are simple to begin with. Now, everyone, listen to this. This is so key. Three people are, are, are described here, the simple ones, the scorners, and the fools, mm. in that particular order. Um, what happens is a simple person is someone who's naive, thoughtless, gullible, um, gullible easily enticed. Easily enticed. 
And so everybody starts in the world with that description of life. Mm. Um, we don't pursue after God. We don't have the knowledge of God. We live in the world and we remain simple unless we start seeking for God. Mm. And if we start seeking for God, God will demonstrate himself. He will He will open the door for us to find him. Mm-hmm. If you knock, the door will be opened. If you seek, you will find. If you mm-hmm. ask, it will be given to you. So all of that, God says, I, in fact, God says, I'm, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to make it really easy for you to find me. Mm-hmm. In the book of Deuteronomy, it actually says, you don't have to go up into the sky to find me. You don't have to dig into the earth to try to excavate me. Mm-hmm. God says, I'm going to make this so simple that I'm going to make it so simple that you can find me in your heart and in your mouth by just calling That's upon beautiful. my name. Where is that? That's in Deuteronomy. I think it's 31, chapter wow. 31. But then Paul quotes Deuteronomy. Mm. And Paul says the same thing in Romans chapter 10. Paul says, I'm going to make, God says, Paul says about God, I'm going to make God easy. God says, I'm going to make myself easy to be found. Mm. If you believe that Jesus has risen from the dead, mm-hmm. you, you can be saved. And let's read it. It's in Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. Yeah, this is really cool um, scripture. I, I love this scripture. It's one of my, in fact, I think this is one of the scriptures that God used to really help seal the deal for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 <clears throat> says this. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart, you believe to righteousness and with your mouth, you confess that Jesus is Lord. You know, it's like with your with your mouth, you can you're you're confessing that this is this is what I believe. This is important to me. I finally believe. Just like that woman with the issue of blood, twelve years, she had Jesus made her confess with her mouth, "Who touched me?" Mm. You know, and she had to say, I, "It was me." She could have hid. And a lot of people, God touches mm-hmm. their heart, but they don't want to publicly admit it. They don't want to go to a church. They don't want to get involved in Bible study. Wow. They don't want, they just would rather stay home and stay hidden. So then they don't like have that encounter. Yeah. I think if we, um, God says that if we, um, if we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what makes a person genuine. You know, it's when, when God really lives inside of us, mm-hmm. you can't hide it. Remember Nathaniel? Yeah. And then Do when you pe- not know? Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it says that Jesus couldn't be hidden. Oh, yep. Different side. Yep. Yeah. And so in, in this scripture in Romans, it says, for, for the scripture says, whosoever believes in him shall what? Verse 11, shall not be ashamed. Verse 13, um, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then it says this, how shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Mm. Um, and so let's go up, Molly, go all the way up to um, Shoop. verse, um, oh, here it is. Okay, so um, verse 6, it says, The righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Don't say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Will I find Jesus if I ascend into heaven? Mm. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people, you know, with billions of dollars, they're doing all this space space exploration, you know, and (laughs) spending enormous amounts of money trying to find. This is what I heard the last time I heard. They're trying to find how it all started. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. And all they have to do is talk to me. (laughs) 
It started in the beginning. In the beginning, beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And they're literally spending billions and billions of dollars trying to find out how it all began. That's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. So it says this. You don't have to go up into heaven to find God. Or verse 7. Or you don't have to say, how will I dig down deeply into the earth Hmm. to try to find where Christ came from? No, but... What? How do you find it? Verse 8. The word to find God is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. It is the word of faith that we preach. Mm. And so God says, I'm going to make this really easy for everybody. To find me is simple. It's going to be from your heart and in your mouth. Yeah. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. It's that simple. That's good. And so... In Proverbs, wisdom's crying out and says she's crying out in all these different places. She's trying to get our attention because God loves us so much. But then he gives this challenge and he says this three times, two times, one is inferred. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? How long will you scorners delight in your scorner, scorning? And how long will you fools hate knowledge? Hmm. How long, how, Jesus said the same thing, by the way, in Mark chapter 9, how long will um, will I put up with you? How long am, um, am, am I going to be with you? How long have you been like this? Oh, wow. You know, and, and so here's the question. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? Um, they, they like, I'm satisfied with my life just the way it is. Mm-hmm. How long? Um, how long, you scorners, will you delight in your scorning? Mm-hmm. The scorners delight in their scorning? I think so. It gives them a sense of superiority. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a certain point where if you're that hardened by sin, you would delight in it. The the Bible talks a lot about that. It's a a cover-up of their own insecurity. Yeah. People that scorn, put other people down to make themselves look big. Mm -hmm. You see it all the time. Yeah. Um, So there's this, this, a love, a delight in people that are scorning, mocking other Mm -hmm. people. In fact, I... It's Christians have to be really careful of this. Yeah, it's easy to be judgmental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Judge not, lest you be judged. Yeah. yeah. Take the log out of your own eye, so you can take the speck out of someone else's eye. Yeah. Um, it's a really funny analogy to think of a log in someone's eye. You know, I was <clears throat> I was looking up the Greek words about it, and it literally can be as small as a stick, but. You know, even if you're walking yeah. around with a stick in your eye. Mike, Michael Card was actually saying he thought it was Jesus being funny. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. Oh, it's, really? It's like saturated with irony. I, I love it. Yeah. So Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, how long you simple ones will you love being simple? You're just willing to like, I like my life just the way it is. And they're yeah. not thinking about changing. Was that what Jesus said to the guy at the pool of Bethsaida? How long have you been like this? Did he say something like that? No, he knew he was there that way for like 38 years. But he asked that guy, he said, would you, would you like to be healed? Oh, okay. He didn't say that. Would you like to be made whole? And the guy's like, um, he made two excuses. Mm-hmm. No one's helping me to get down and everyone else gets in front of me. There's always someone to get ahead of me. Gotcha. It sounded like a similar yeah. It is similar. Um, people come with all kinds of excuses as to why they don't really want to connect with God on a personal level and be saved. I had a guy one time, he was a very um, 
well-known basketball player. He was hitting like 30 points a game. Mm. And uh, he's a big guy. And uh, his dad was a lawyer and um, well-prominent lawyer. Mm. And um, he grew up in a in a church that, you know, wasn't a, a Bible church, wasn't a, a you know, I would I would call the church uh, a Roman church, you know, very cultic. And uh, anyways, um, we became friends, started playing uh, basketball at the college and did all kinds of stuff together and, you know, got to really be friends with this guy. He knew me from high school. Mm. I was older than him, and but um, invited him to church, and you should have seen it. First, first time in church, you could see the Holy Spirit just calling him. Wow. You talk about this, I'm calling you and all crying out to uh-huh, you. Uh-huh. Molly, I've seen it happen several times with people. Um, in fact, at that same time, one of his friends came to know Christ as a Savior. And I was thinking like, um, nah, not really. Uh-huh. No, not, not real. Okay. Uh-huh. So that guy ends up, the guy that I didn't think it was real, he... You know, he was just all talk, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And so he vanishes. He moves to another state. And I don't know anything about that guy until 40 years later. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so the the big guy, the basketball player, he's at, uh, he comes to church and he is smitten. I mean, and I'm really conservative theologically, but you can sell he was visibly shaken. He heard the gospel so clearly and he realized that he was not in good standing with God. And, and, and I was like, I called him Big Mike. Mm-hmm. Call on the name of the Lord. Just call mm-hmm. on the name of the Lord. You, Jesus can be real inside of you. That's what Paul was teaching. Examine yourself. Test yourself. Is Jesus real in you? If the God of the universe lives inside of you, you will know it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so uh, he was like, mm, my father's not going to like this. Mm. And I'm thinking like, whoa, my father's not going to like this. And so he had a lot of pressure at home, you know, mm-hmm. come, you know, attending a different church and and um, that afternoon, two o'clock that afternoon, after I drove him home, mm-hmm. I got a phone call from his dad. Whew. I've never had that, anyone threaten me like that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there was lawsuit threats, physical violence threats. It was everything. But this was a dad who, you know, he was in his religion and he saw this as a threat to one of his children, even though his child was around 21 years mm-hmm. of age right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, or 22, yeah, 22, 23. He would have been like 23 years old. Mm-hmm. But you know, some people, you know, is Islam. They take that threat. So this was a supposedly Christian church, but it, they weren't really practicing, you know, Bible Christianity. And uh, Big Mike never came to church with me again. Wow. Yeah, and uh, that's hard. Yeah, and his his life went pretty fast downhill after that. Forty years later. Um, I get a phone call. Actually, 40 years later, our ministry, Lamplighter, gets a donation from a, this guy that had the same last name as the guy that came to church with us. Mm. But I didn't know what happened to him, and I didn't know his salvation was real and all. And I'm thinking, like, wow, that's the same last name. What are the chances, you know, mm-hmm. that this guy, you know, I grew up with him as a kid, would be sending, you know, financial help, you know, support to Lamplighter. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think anything of it. And then, you know, I wrote him a letter. and like, hey, are you the same Mike that... His name was Mike too, and he calls me up, and it and I remember his voice was identical to it was forty years earlier, wow. and it was him. Oh, so God did get a hold of his heart. He got saved during that time. Wow. Yeah, and and the the difference between the two men, mm-hmm. you know, incomparable, unbelievable. You know, 
God brought a, a wife into his life. He's got kids. He's in Bible study, discipleship, mm-hmm. growing in the Lord. Oh, that's awesome. You know, so exciting. And it was all because of that one day. Mm-hmm. One had an opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord. God made it easy for him. Mm-hmm. But because of family pressure, and boy, that's that, Satan brings that into our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said to us, if, you will, if you're going to love mother, father, brother, sister, husbands, wives, houses, lands more than me, um, you'll not be worthy. You know, and so so here's what's happening in Proverbs chapter one. God is giving the same type of are you are you loving staying the way you are, then stay there. You know, God's not gonna force you to come out. Are you delighting in mocking other people? Because Molly, you move from a s from a from a simple person, you move from simple to being a mocker. You don't stay as a simple person because now you've got to kind of you've got to place yourself in a position where you've got to look like you're stronger. And so you put other people down. And then lastly, you become a fool. Mm. And fools, look at it says, fools hate knowledge. No matter what the truth is. Mm-hmm. I, I had a meeting with a local government official today. I had to bring paperwork in at this meeting mm-hmm. with infallible proof. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number one, oh, we received a letter here. Mm-hmm. In the letter... Um, I had to attend a meeting before today's date, okay? Okay. But the letter that I received mm-hmm. was mailed after the date in which I was supposed to attend the meeting. Oh, weird. Yeah. And I'm like, I called him on the phone and I said, hey, um, I didn't get this letter until it was postmarked after the date I was supposed to be there. I said, something, something's not right with this. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, that's, he goes, that's not possible. He goes, we sent this two weeks earlier. I'm like, well, I'm looking at the date and I don't think the – you know, the post mm-hmm. office puts in fictitious dates here. So mm-hmm. he goes, we will have to bring it and show me. So um, he goes, and furthermore, you got to bring some of these other things. So I brought all of the things he asked for, infallible proof. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so here are the facts of what you're trying to show me. And I said, and, I, and, I, and God mm-hmm. gave me grace because I was thinking like I could easily right now become a little bit of a, yeah, have a mocking spirit, you know, but God humbled me and was like, be an example for this guy, mm-hmm. even though he's wrong. But even after I shared everything with him in a humble way, he denied what I was sharing with him. Uh-huh. I showed him the date of the envelope, and he goes, "Well, he goes, yeah, he goes. I heard that there were some things that that were sent to the post office that didn't get mailed. Didn't the uh, post office didn't mail it out right away? I'm like, that doesn't happen, you know. And everything I showed him, he was giving me an excuse as to why it wasn't possible. Uh-huh. I'm like, wow, this is crazy, and that's. That's what happens. Fools hate knowledge, even if it's irrefutable and it's right in front of your eyes. When you try to share the gospel and you share part of the word of God and showing people like, you know, this is what God says and people will deny it because they get into this, oh, this sense of having to be right and protect themselves because they're unwilling to accept any responsibility of being wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, so you go from simple to a mocker to a fool. And then he says this, verse 23. You read it, Mo. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Okay, so you have the word rebuke. I have the word reproof. Mm. Um, And it's actually this idea of correcting by giving you proof that you're wrong. 
correcting you in an irrefutable way that you're wrong in the way you're thinking. And so what God is doing here, he says, I want you to, God is placing in our hearts that we know that deep down inside, Mm -hmm. we're wrong. I I have a family member whom I love deeply. Uh, My heart just breaks when I think that they have rejected Christ. Mm. Um. I have to believe that deep down in their hearts, I know, in fact, I know this, mm-hmm. deep down in their hearts, there is this ache in which they know that the way they're living their life is, is wrong, mm-hmm. that their belief system is wrong, and, but they are, they're just not willing to admit and surrender. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, you know, this is what happens. God says, turn when... Turn at my reproof, God's reproof. God's saying like, hey, listen, I'm giving you infallible proof. Just like Jesus when he met Thomas. You know, Thomas, mm-hmm. Thomas, what else do you need? And Thomas had just said, well, unless I put my finger in, you know, the prints in his hands and his feet and his side in, in his chest, I, I'm not going to believe. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus shows up and says, Thomas, you know, mm-hmm. here's my prince. Put your hands in my prince. And then what does Thomas say? My Lord and my God. He, he got it. He, got to, he had to believe by seeing, and God wants us to believe without seeing. Um, infallible proof, God places in our heart, and he says, now listen, when, when you have that conviction, the Holy Spirit convicts you, and you know that you're, in a, you're, you're wrong in the way you're thinking, and your, your, your stubbornness is being checked by the Holy Spirit, God says, if you're willing to turn when you're proven wrong in your spirit, if you're willing to turn, Molly, Turn around, mm-hmm. go a different direction. What will happen? I will pour out my spirit on you, it says. And I'll make my words known unto you. And that's wisdom, right? Yeah, it's the word of God, you know? Mm. God's words will be made known unto us. We'll be able to believe and understand them and we'll be free. And mm. God will be able to be our instructor of how to live our lives. And, mm. um, but he goes on to say, because I've called and you refused, because I stretched out my hand and no man regarded, um, because you have said it not all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, mm-hmm. I will laugh when your calamity comes. I will mock. See, they mocked earlier. Now God will mock when your fear comes. Mm-hmm. Um, when your fear thought. comes as a desolation. Um, when your destruction comes as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Those things are going to happen to people in life. Mm-hmm. Things things will happen where our lives will unravel and I don't want anyone to experience this. And it's only by the grace of God that I could even share these things because I was just like this. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was a simple person. I was a mocking person. I, I was mean, a fool. Everyone starts out that way. Yeah, for 22 years, I, I didn't understand life, you know. 22 years of foolishness. Mm. And then God saved me at 22 years old. L- really saved me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and this scares me. And it should scare everybody that if we if we are unwilling to listen for a long time and remain stubborn, um, when well, when if that, you ignore the rebuke of the Lord, or yeah, proof or if I mean, God you could tells get, you you're you could, doing something wrong and yeah. you keep doing it, and you could get saved on your deathbed. Yeah, but I yeah. don't I don't find those to be those are few and far between. So when the Holy Spirit is checking us and reproving us, those are the times to just turn to God. Mm-hmm. And then God says this, um, when your fear comes, when your destruction comes, 
like a whirlwind, distress and anguish will come upon you. And then you'll call upon me. And this scares me, Molly. It says this, mm-hmm. then, verse 28, then you'll call upon me and I will not answer you. And you will seek me early and you will not find me. Mm-hmm. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose what? The fear of the Lord. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and look at verse 30. They would have none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Therefore, they'll eat of the fruit of their own ways, and they'll be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple, there it is, shall slay them. In other words, you know what this means here? The turning away of the simple shall slay them? Hmm. Just to try to figure it out. Let's, let's unravel this. So everyone that's listening, what does it mean? The turning away of the simple will destroy them. Well, um, in, in context, it's talking about... Um, they they're going to eat the fruit of their own way, so they're pursuing a self-destructive path. And um, I think he was saying like about how there's the gate that's like narrow is the gate that leads to was it the narrow gate leads to heaven, but broad is the one that leads mm-hmm. to destruction. So if you're walking in the right way, but then they the fool they don't pay attention where they're going. They're just following their own. Um, whims and desires that are kernel, and so they're turning off the path, and so it, yeah. they're going to be consumed by their own appetites, which is what we talked about with Lord of the Wings way back when. Interesting. And, and if you look at this word turning away, mm-hmm. it's exactly what it's, she was saying, turn at my reproof. Mm-hmm. Now they're turning the opposite way. They're turning toward their own way of, simp- of a simple life. They're remaining stubborn, and they're mm-hmm. going to turn the opposite direction. The turning away of the simple is going to slay them. Mm-hmm. They're going to go their own way, not going to turn toward God. And then it says the prosperity of fools will destroy them. Fools hate knowledge, but fools tend to prosper. What? Yeah. So they can, you, can, you can be a fool and hate the knowledge of God. Most very wealthy people, many very wealthy people are foolish in their thinking. They're, yeah. and they hate the knowledge of God, but they're very prosperous. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. You can be prosperous, you know, economically on the outside. But in the very end, it will destroy them and those who follow them, follow their ways. Interesting. Mine says complacency. That is literally, the the Hebrew word is complacency. So, like, content with your wealth? Content, yeah. Molly, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, if you look at the Hebrew word, it's um, literally the word for security. Oh, the security wow. of fools shall shall destroy them. Both whether they're secure in their prosperity, uh-huh. they're secure the way they are. They feel good about their life. Mm-hmm. They've maybe been successful. It says their security will eventually destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. Well, mm-hmm. they'll have peace in the midst of an evil world. Um, um, so if like the business leadership books and everything, they kept talking about like pursuing excellence. And one of the things that you pursue excellence with is humility. So you have to be willing to see your own mistakes and correct them, not just to see them and ignore them or to just move forward. So I think in the same way, so you can either turn at your at the rebuke and like fix it, correct it. But then they're not, like you said, they're not turning at it. They're turning away from that. And so then they're secure with like, no, I don't need that. I, I can do what I want. And that's maybe where their complacency or prosperity is, where they're like, you know what, I'm good on my own, the pride. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think when a person gets to that place in their life where they think feel like everything's good, yeah, they got their retirement ready to go, yeah. they're they got their house, they've got their cars, and they're just satisfied with life. Yeah. Okay, but they're not satisfied with their eternal life. They don't have that figured out. They don't have the relationship with. Yeah, it's all. God. It's all. Well, it's a false sense of security. Yeah. it's not real. Yeah. Um, and notice what it says in thirty-two. Um, the in look at thirty-one. They'll eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Um, that word oh, "filled" well. that carries that idea, that idea that they're they're satisfied. They have an abundance um, with their own uh, their own way of doing things in life. They're like they're mm-hmm. they're filled. It's saturated. Saturated security. They have everything they think they need, mm. um, but the turning away of the simple shall slay them. They're they're turning in the wrong direction, and their own security um, shall destroy them. Mm. So, Molly, as we bring this to an end, we got verses thirty-two and thirty-three that um, says, "For the simple are killed by their turning away." In the that's the ESV version, um, similar to to the King James, but this phrase "turning away." Mm-hmm. It's literally the word for backsliding in Hebrew. In Hebrew. Mm. Uh, so the simple, naive, gullible, um, easily enticed, those that are they're content mm-hmm. with being simple, it says they're killed or destroyed by their backsliding. They, they don't want to move forward. You know, think about backsliding. Have you ever backslid? Uh, I, that, <laughs> That's um. your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever slid on your back before? Yes. Um, where? I fell off a seesaw. Okay, but that's not backsliding. That's back falling. <laughs> you, mean, you mean like, like sliding on your back? So I, I was at a, I don't know why I did this, but I was, I was probably around fourteen years old, and we climbed this um, ice cliff. Uh huh. You know, with like picks and everything. You know, mm-hmm. in your hand and. Crazy, you know. You're 14. You don't have that chemical in your brain that says caution, caution. <laughs> you know. So me and a bunch of guys were trying to climb this thing, and and I got right to the top. I was like three feet from the top, mm-hmm. and uh, I slipped. And I remember having that that uh, winter coat on. That's uh, uh-huh. that, downy feathers. Yeah, no, but it was the slick on the outside. It's just real slippery. Oh yeah. You know, and uh, and I I remember when I slipped, I felt I turned on my back. And I slid down this cliff. It was almost vertical, you know, but not total vertical, but enough to do I didn't fall forward. I stayed. Sl- I saw trees go by my eyes like, mm. like less than split seconds. Wow. Just, and I was thinking like if I hit a tree, I'm dead, mm-hmm. you know, because you're going to you're going to hit it and you're going to go right in. Yeah. Hit your head. Yeah. There's no question I would have died. Um, I felt like I was going 90 to 100 miles an hour. Just straight down, wow. sliding, and we were in the midst of all these trees. Right? There's mm-hmm. trees growing up on the side of this cliff, and uh, and so when I think of backsliding, you know, I'm almost to the top, and you know, I'm thinking everything's going to go well. I'm I'm heroic. I made it. I made it on my own, mm. only to find out that you can't really get to the top on your own, and and down is a very fast way down. And God uses this illustration of backsliding. Mm-hmm. Just when you think things are going well, it says this. It says, then the prosperity of fools shall destroy them, or the complacency of fools mm. shall destroy them, or mm. the security of fools shall destroy them. I thought I was secure. Yeah. I had no reason not to believe that the next three feet I would get to the top. Yeah. You know, and uh, 
You should have seen what happened after that. Mm. Everyone who was, and I was like, obviously, I'm climbing faster than everybody else. I'm a good probably 20 feet above everybody, Mm -hmm. right? I want to get to the top. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be the man, right? A little competitive there. Yeah. (laughs) When I slid all the way to the bottom, you should have seen everybody. They are backtracking. Everyone's going back down. No one's really? going up to the top. Yeah, no one, no one dared even do it. Wow. You know, and uh, the the security of fools, mm. the false security of foolishness. Wow, that's a good like illustration. Yeah, the pickaxe would have been their security. Mm-hmm. And foolishness is really just uh, it's a it's a hating of knowledge. Mm. You know, so. Notice what it says. But whosoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without any dread of disaster. Okay? So let's watch this. Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without any dread of disaster. I'm a a pilot. Mm -hmm. And um, my instructor, the last instructor I had, he was... Whoa. The only way I could describe this guy was um, from insane to a maniac of making sure that I did everything to perfection. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, he would scream at me. Oh, my. You know, when when I was landing, if I didn't, you know, just land it perfectly smooth, mm-hmm. if I was unable to land on one wheel when he wanted me to— if I didn't, you know, he, I remember, remember when he blindfolded me mm-hmm. and, um, and we were doing, you know, somersaults up, you know, 10,000 feet, 5,000 feet. And then, you know, I had to do all these things blindfolded. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the time when he, he, um, he said, I want you to go full speed, you know, and I, I was already dizzy. And he goes, are you going up or down? And I'm going like, I could feel the plane, you know, I could feel the pressure on my back. I'm going, going up. You know, and he goes, okay, keep going. And I felt like I'm going straight up, you know, so it's going to stall eventually. Mm-hmm. He goes, keep going. He goes, you're going up? I'm going like, yep, I'm going up. He's like, you just 100% sure? He goes, I go, yeah. He goes, 10, 9, 8, 7. I said, what are you doing? He goes, these are the seconds that you have before we crash in the ground. You're going down. He goes, are you going up or down? And he didn't say, he didn't tell me I was going down. He goes, what are you going, up or down? I'm going like, up, five, four. I'm going up or down. I'm like, up, three, up or down. I don't know. Take over. No longer am I in control. So if you did that, if you say, you know, I'm the pilot's not no longer in control, you take your hand off the the yoke and everything. I'm like, you take it from here. And all I all I saw, all I heard was, you know, he just swooped down. It was scariest thing. Just take off your blindfold. And I looked at him like, we're like a hundred feet from the ground. It was insane. I really thought I was going up that entire time. He taught me so well. He said, I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach you how to fly with instruments. Even though you're a VFR, you're a visual pilot, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're a visual flight pilot, mm-hmm. that means that you're not allowed to go through the clouds. You're not allowed to do the things that instrument instrument people are, a, are able to do. Mm-hmm. He goes, I'm going to teach you how to, how to operate this plane by instrument only. He goes, in the event that someday, inadvertently, you're going to end up in the clouds, I don't want to see you dead. 
because I'm going to teach you how to fly instruments. That's amazing. Molly, it was two weeks after that. <sighs> two weeks after that, I'll never forget it. These clouds came out of nowhere. It was like fog, and I am in the clouds. It was just right after John F. Kennedy's son ended up in a same similar situation, and he ends up, you know, in the ocean, mm. and he and mm-hmm. all that were on board died. You cannot tell whether you're going up or down when you're in that kind of fog. There's no, there's total disorientation. You can't tell if you're up or down. That's scary. Yeah. The only way you can tell is if you stay focused on those instruments and you trust them. Mm. This is exactly what God is saying. But he who listens to me will dwell securely and will be at ease without any dread of disaster. Mm. When I was in that fog, in those clouds, which was miles and miles and miles, Mm -hmm. I had to make a decision. I either had to make a quick decision and turning a certain direction and going down. But if I went down, as this fog came in, I had just taken off. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't up very high. As this fog came in, I had to make a decision. Am I going to go down quickly? Then I thought, "Uh uh-oh, if I go down quickly to get out of it, so I stay visual, I stay a, a, a visual pilot. I may hit like the side of the mountain or I could hit a tower. I could hit a building. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what's down there right now because I'm already I'm already probably, you know, a mile to two out already. Mm-hmm. Or if I go up, I may hit a plane up there, mm-hmm. you know, who's flying up there. So I had to at that moment make a very quick decision. I'm going to stay in this fog, in these clouds. I'm going to fly with instruments and I'm going to call the tower immediately to let them know my location. Mm-hmm. You know that, and, he, and here are all my instruments and I'm able to read everything and I'm able to give them the coordinate coordinates. And now they're guiding me through and they know I'm not a, an instrument pilot. I'd let them know what happened. You know, and I, and I told them since I'm just a new pilot, I need your help. So mm-hmm. they're helping me, guiding me during this time. And Molly, during this time, I was so well instructed by my teacher that I had perfect confidence and I wasn't even afraid. Mm. It's amazing. I was able to do it right by the book and it says, he who listens to me will dwell securely and will be at ease with, without any dread of disaster. Beautiful. It really is. And that's what God wants from us. If we will listen to his words, if we'll turn at, our, at his reproof, mm-hmm. um, he'll pour out his spirit to us. He'll be in control of our mm-hmm. lives. And he'll make his words known to us, Proverbs one twenty three. So, Molly, uh, you're going to be a pilot? No. Your sister is. 1,000% no. <laughs> Unless God calls me to do that. Like, he could call me to do anything, but I, I really hope he doesn't. <laughs> it's a lot of work and memorization, and I've seen the hours my sister puts in. Yeah, it's uh, – you have to literally yeah. – you have a checklist. You have to do things exactly the way they're supposed to be done. Live, eat, breathe it. And that's the way God wants us to be with his word. Yes, but there's like so much more delight in his words. So just skip the step to being a pilot and read the Bible. No, actually, the delight when you're up in the air and you're at 10,000 feet looking mm-hmm. down and it's gorgeous and you're watching sunrises and sunsets, there's mm-hmm. nothing like it. It's like being close to God. It's the only way I could describe it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're being threatened by our sound engineer to finish this podcast. So thank you so much for listening to Fast and Like Nails. I'm Molly in the studio with Dr. Mark Campy, and we are so looking forward to joining you next time. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. 
To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit fastenedlikenails.net and fill out the form. That's fastenedlikenails.net. from the creative minds and talents behind Lamplighter Theater. I've never seen anything like it. This summer, Lamplighter presents The Lamplighter Guild. A week of mentoring and apprenticeship in the dramatic arts. Learn script writing, music composition, sound design, directing, and voice acting from world-class professionals. Registration for the Lamplighter Guild is limited, so sign up today at lamplighter.net, lamplighter.net.